It's Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk, Jazz Bites with Brian Priest and McCade Pearson. Not much good to say after the Utah Jazz receive a thorough beating at the hands of the Washington Wizards. Defensively, the Jazz look lost as both Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal torch them all night long. When the shots aren't falling, the Jazz defense is no longer good enough to carry them. Is it fixable? And do they have the personnel to get the job done on that side of the ball? Stay tuned as all that and more is coming up next on Home Court Press. Utah Jazz Talk. Jazz Bites. Welcome into Home Court Press. Utah Jazz Talk. Jazz Bites. This is your host, Brian Priest, joined by McCade Pearson, as always. And... It's getting a little bit concerning, McKay. The Jazz lose to the Wizards last night, and they never really had a chance in that game, it felt like. Yeah, I like this podcast more and we're listening to uh, St. Patrick's music and beating good basketball teams on the road instead of not beating the Wizards and Russell Westbrook, who it seems like you are developing a good relationship with and his fans, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, not the best uh, Jazz game we've seen this season. I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. Um, like I said a few podcasts ago, though, I am very pessimistic about title odds and I'm very optimistic about second-round conference finals appearance, that kind of thing. So I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet in terms of that. We're fine, but definitely a unique game to break down today. Well, in the words of the immortal Travis L. Cox, I, I've got to agree with him today. Jazz lose. This is the worst day ever. The season is over. Life is meaningless. Okay, maybe it's not quite that bad, but you're you're right. I did find out that the uh, Russell Westbrook army is out in full force on Twitter, and I I got to offer a mea culpa. I was wrong. I probably crossed the line in calling him a b- on Twitter. I just hate his style of play and <laughs> the way that he is constantly whining on a basketball court, and that. I don't think he's ever, one, fouled anybody in his career, and he has never missed a shot without being fouled. Those things are what frustrate me, but I probably shouldn't have called him a I hate Russell Westbrook. I'll throw that out there. I also feel like maybe maybe some of those Westbrook fans were uh, interesting in their responses, so that was fun. I did go back and delete the tweet, not because of the responses, but because, like I said, I... I crossed the line with that one, and I shouldn't attack him personally. I should have been more specific about his on-court play because off of the floor, sounds like he's a good dude. Teammates love him. He doesn't have any you know, of the off-court drama that sometimes you run into. So with Westbrook, there's a gray area there because there's I'm five feet off the court, and there's I'm outside the arena. Um, and he's a great person outside the arena, but just because he gets off the court doesn't mean he's a magical, nice human being during the game, as we've seen with numerous, numerous issues in the Vince Smart home arena. Yeah, let's jump into this one. The Jazz and their inability to start games in the first quarter lately. What's going on in the first? Uh, nothing good. Um, the starters aren't playing super, super well lately, which is something interesting, and it's not like we can use, well, Joe was playing for Mike Conley as an excuse last night because Joe Ingles was awesome. They did really miss Joe Ingles on the bench because he's a sixth man of the year, but that's another conversation for another day. You're really pushing that one. No, so but yeah, the starters just haven't been great, and then the bench hasn't been great, and then usually you can count on that bench bench lineup with uh, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert to kind of right the ship for the rest of the game, but no Mike Conley. Joe Ingles is playing a little different minutes, and the Jazz just 
let it get out of control. And I get we can sit here and talk about, oh, Donovan played great in the second half. Or we can talk about, oh, well, they fought and got it down to six or seven. But I hate comebacks. People think I'm crazy for that. But I don't like comebacks. I like to just go up by 20 and not worry about the fourth quarter. And so it just was not a very pretty game. You know, I I don't have a problem with the comebacks, and that's something you and I have discussed before. What is frustrating to me is the defense last night was just incapable of getting any type of big stop. The Jazz would cut the lead to six, and then two turnovers and the defense not able to get stops. It's immediately back up to 16. I think they had cut the lead to eight at one point, and then in literally four possessions, the lead was back up to 18, and... And it was for like it was like a forty second stretch. It was the quickest four possessions ever because they turned the ball over twice in the backcourt. Yeah, yeah, it, it was just it was ridiculous and it was it was bad decision making. I I need to calm down. It was just a really really bad performance from the Jazz. It was easily in my mind their worst game of the year, right up there with the early season loss to Minnesota. They continue to have the same issues over and over defensively and. Rebounding-wise, I mean, on the perimeter, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, they combined for 78 points. They Bradley Beal was incredible, 16 of 24 from the field. Westbrook was 12 of 23. He ends up with a triple-double, and there's a lot of times where the Westbrook triple-doubles are just hollow stats. No, he was pretty thoroughly dominant last night against the Jazz, and they couldn't do anything to stop either of those guys, whether it be at the basket or at the three-point line. Yeah, now that one I mentioned to see is, is that just missing Conley or the Jazz just that rough defensively on the perimeter? Um, they do have some interesting games. The next couple games, Kyle Lowry's not going to kill you like that, obviously, but he's had, I think, 17 and 15 assist games his last two games. Um, and then Zach Levine is playing out of his mind. He's averaging 30 on like 65 two shooting percentage. And then you get Kyrie Irving and James Harden. So fun next three games to see exactly where our perimeter defense is. And if that was just no Mike Conley, which even if it is no Mike Conley, that's still concerning because if he goes down for three games because he has a baby in the bubble, then that could be problematic. I don't think he's going to have a baby in the playoffs this year, though, so that <laughs> helps. But it is something to keep an eye on the next three games because that just did not work. Um, those two were awesome. Westbrook Beal, fantastic. Got to give him all the credit in the world. And got to give Brad the beer all the credit in the world for averaging 33 points or whatever for a team that's just terrible and then wanting to stay there for another three or four years. I really appreciate that. and do want to shout that out. Yeah, yeah, you have to appreciate Bradley Beal and his loyalty with that. And as far as the Jazz defense, if Mike Conley was the missing piece last night, a six foot one point guard that is not not only short but slight of frame if he's your defensive linchpin on the perimeter you're going to have problems once you get into the playoffs there's just no way around that there's something that needs to happen whether it's rotation or looking outside of the organization I don't know let's shift here McCade and I want to talk about just an awful shooting performance from some of these jazz players and really it it's what made a huge difference last night the offense a lot of times over the last month has still been good enough for the jazz to win games in spite of poor defensive performances but when you get Bojan Bogdanovic Jordan Clarkson and George Niang to combine for five for 30 from the field and two for 18 from the three-point line that's impossible to win NBA basketball games yeah not great you know Bojan had zero assists 
Niang had one, which is fine for Niang. And then Clarkson did have six, but he brought five turnovers with those six assists. I thought his playmaking was actually pretty good last night. Um, but yeah, you get five turnovers from Clarkson to go with those six assists, and it's all of a sudden not quite as pretty. So, you know, when Clarkson's using 16 possessions to score seven points and hit two shots, it's just you're not going to win games that way. Um, you know, Donovan was terrible the first 22 minutes of the game, um, which is really when the game was played. And it was not our night. I'm going to throw it away as a bad shooting night for the most part. If you haven't had a chance, check out the Jazz Pod Co-op on Twitter. It's a group of podcasts with like-minded people that just want to share their opinions on the jazz. Here's a preview. Mark and Doug Hincy on the twos and threes. The weird things about dude shots is like my favorite like NBA subcategory of and like or they're like the length of their arms affecting something. I, I'm, I'm like whether they jump off of one foot or two foot. Right. Like, Emily and McCoy on the Jazz gals. If anything, that video also reminded me like how just a few inches difference it was between us being on one side versus the other, you know, like, well, we all know a few inches can make a difference. Who Logan and Jared on hitting the high notes. I I don't even care if they're hurt. I mean, we're not going to dance on any injuries, but yes, I I, I can't make any promises, but I don't even care if it's a fluke or we cheat. I don't even care. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? Um, That's what they say. And Brian and McCade on home court press. With Boyan, Memphis is really struggling to shoot. So giving Boyan to the Grizzlies and then having the Grizzlies forward our first-round pick onto another team, if you can get Boyan a first-round pick and then get Memphis to throw in a first-round pick in the and take Boyan, a lot of possibilities open for a guy like John Collins. Should we start talking about individuals here? Yep, let's do it. Joe Ingles, career-high 34 points, 8 of 10 from the three-point line. You have to talk about the positives of Joe last night, who, from hitting the high notes, asked a question about what do you do as far as recognizing individual performances during a loss? And I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this one, McKid, because I think that it's fine for you and I and fans to talk about Joe Ingles and how great he was last night, how good he's been this season. You've been pushing him for sixth man of the year for the last two months, but the only time I would have a problem is if there was a loss like this and Joe Ingles was out there tooting his own horn and acting like he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And nobody did that. Nobody in the locker room acted like, hey, you know, I got mine. I, this worked for me. It, it was basically the opposite of what Ben Simmons did in Salt Lake earlier this year when he scored 42 and acted like he was hot <laughs> except the Sixers had just lost to the Jazz. What are your thoughts on celebrating individual performances during a bad loss? You know, I think we as fans should. I think Joe should give those answers. I loved his answer post game last night. Where he was like, whatever, like, who cares? And Rudy Gobert's answer was like, guys, we're not champions yet. We're trying to hold on to the one seed here. Although the Suns did lose at home to the Timberwolves last night, so that helps. Hell yes. Yes. So, no, but Joe Ingles was fantastic. He finished the game a plus two. As rough as it was, he finished the game a positive, and I know single game plus minus can get super fluky, but if you're a positive while you're on the court, it usually means for the most part that you did your part um, because it does 100% mean you lost the game in your bench minutes. I was really hoping he'd hit that last free throw because then he'd have the same career high as Rudy Gobert and John Stockton, and I was going to tweet out that those are the three best players in Jazz history if you have a career high of 35 points, but he did miss that last free throw and finished at 34, so I didn't get to tweet that out, but... I just don't think there's much to break down there. It was a great game. We know Joe can do this. They lost. Whatever. Talk to me about third quarter Donovan. 
Third quarter Donovan is very real. Second half Donovan is less real, but still pretty real because of third quarter Donovan. Um, did he finish with 18 or 20 in the third quarter last night? 42 for the game. Finished with his first night over 50% shooting since we played the Celtics. Not last game, but the one like 12, 13 games ago. He was great. Six assists was nice to see. But it felt very a couple of years ago, Devin Booker-ish, where, I mean, it was just a lot of not stat padding because they were trying to get back in the game, but the Jazz finished the third quarter at 36-36 despite Donovan's not empty, but maybe hollow. It just didn't matter. And that's kind of frustrating because I'd kind of rather see a full game Donovan than just the second half Donovan. You know, if he would have scored 34 points but had a better first half, maybe you're in this game and some things go the other way. So it's fine. It's good to see that he still has that capability where he has these monster quarters. I think he, I think he has five quarters, twenty plus points in a quarter in a playoff game. Does that sound right? Um, and that's a really, really high number. Like I want to say, like second or third in the league for their careers already. Just and he has these insane quarters. But I think we all would like to see fifteen points a quarter from Donovan instead of you know twenty points a half. I mean twenty points a quarter here or there. So not that Donovan's going to average sixty, but you get what I'm saying. And just a little more consistency. So Donovan was fine. I'm more hoping this is a start of a hot streak for Donovan after the past 12, 15 games instead of just a good quarter. But we shall see tonight. The Jazz play again. You know, I would be interested to see, and I, I know there's a way to look these numbers up, but I have no idea how to do it. Be interested to see how many points Donovan gave up as the primary defender compared to how many points he scored in the third quarter. And I'm kind of, I'm, Getting tired of the excuses are wearing thin on me of the, well, Donovan had to do so much offensively to bring this team back that he was just gassed, and you can't ask that much of him on the other. No. If you want to be a superstar, you need to be able to carry the team offensively. And at, at Donovan's position, at his size and athleticism, you should be able to depend on Donovan Mitchell to shut somebody down, or at least, at the very least, slow them down. Make an effort getting over screens. Try defensively. And that's what frustrates me. I, there's, I get it. Guys get tired. It, it happens. But there's no reason why Donovan Mitchell should be dying on screens on the defensive end. Those are the things that I'm getting tired of. And the excuse of he does so much offensively that we have to give him a pass. No, there's a lot of offensive players on this team. Donovan needs to be more of a two-way guy. I can agree with that. So NBA.com's numbers are super fluky because tracking data can just get weird because, you know, just the way you're trying to teach a computer to watch basketball and record yeah. stuff. But they had Donovan letting up 16 points last night on 7 of 8 shooting, including 7 of 7 inside the arc. They like to give defensive credit to centers a little bit more just because the player gets to the rim, the center's at the rim. Um, and they also leave a lot of people open, and so when it's considered an open shot, then it goes against nobody. But obviously somebody made a mistake at that point at just straight up kind of who was the closest defender type thing. Westbrook went 4 for 4, and then a couple other wings went 1 for 1, and Bradley Beal missed a 3 when Donovan was guarding him. But, I mean, you add up the minutes that Donovan quote-unquote played defense, and it's like eight or nine minutes. So it is weirdly calculated, but that's what they do have is 16 points on seven of eight shooting and a couple free throws. I do want to bring up one more question. So I know people like to say, if things aren't broke, don't try and fix it. But we have something that is perfect, and I want to break it up, and I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, let's Um, have it. I love the Conley, Clarkson, Ingles, Niang, Gobert lineup. I think it's fantastic. I think it's one of the best lineups in the league. I think it's a reason for a lot of the Jazz success, and I would not mind going back to it in the playoffs. 
But we have seen, and this is nothing against Donovan. People are going to think this is me hitting on Donovan. But we saw it last year, and then we saw it this year, that I just am not sure Donovan is at the level. Specifically, go read Adam Bushman's piece about Donovan Clarkson defensively um, and how much of an issue that is. And I'm just not convinced that we shouldn't try for a 10- to 15-game stretch swapping Conley and Mitchell's minutes and letting Conley play with favors in the middle part of the first and third quarter and letting Donovan be part of that great lineup on the bench with Rudy and Clarkson and Ingles and whatnot. What are your thoughts? I don't have a problem with that move. It it seems like kind of a a sideways move. Let's just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. But why not? Here, so Because my thing is, obviously, we're always worried about the non Rudy minutes. And I'm not going to say the favorites minutes because it's not favors, it's the issue. It's the yeah. non Rudy minutes. Absolutely. And I'm just not sure Donovan, he wasn't last year and doesn't appear like he's this year. I'm just not sure he's ready to be that guy with not that much talent around him. Um, and so I think swapping out Donovan and Clarkson, just both trying to be scorers and getting Conley in there to kind of settle that lineup down a little bit could be beneficial for the Jazz. And again, if it doesn't work for 10 to 15 games, you can easily go back to what you're at now and go back to the Conley bench lineup that's just dominated, dominated teams. But I think it might be worth a try because you do got to figure out the non-Rudy minutes. That's where we lost this game again. Is the Jazz were down like four or six, and it wasn't pretty. And then Rudy checked out like seven minutes, and they went into their full rotation thing. And then the favorites came in. They I think went down ten, and all of a sudden it's fifteen or sixteen points. So it's just something that's been on my mind. That as great as that line has been, maybe you can swap your all-star guards and play Mitchell the three stints and Collie the two stints and see where that falls. I mean, the bench lineup that we all love wasn't a thing the first, like, five to ten games of the year. So Quinn does tinker with lineups. He doesn't tinker with them game by game or rotation game by game. There's evaluation periods every month or so with Quinn yep. where he might shake things up a little bit. And that's just something I might try because they tried it last year. Last year they did this, and Conley was terrible and couldn't lift the bench. And they tried Donovan, and Donovan was terrible and they couldn't lift the bench. And then they tried both of them, and then they tried neither of them. And they just tried and tried and tried different things all season long and could not figure out the Gobert minutes. But I do wonder with the way Conley's playing this year if he would be able to settle things nicely with the favors clarkson lineup in the middle part of that quarter. Now, as you talk about it, I, I was putting some thought into it, and I think it's probably worth trying. Conley's been so good defensively this year in his time with Rudy on the floor. And, you know, Donovan and Jordan have really struggled. You mentioned that article from Adam Bushman, really good article, and this great statistical and analytical information supporting his argument in that. And, yeah, maybe you can protect those guys a little bit more with Rudy. Uh, My only hesitation would be I wonder if Mike Conley is going to be as effective of a defender without Rudy Gobert protecting him. So uh, there's probably some trade-off there, but... Yeah, why not? It's probably worth experimenting with. Did you have anything else today? Yeah, just the number. Mitchell Clarkson favors defensively this year, 762 possessions. Um, they're negative 1.9, and specifically they're allowing a 120.5 defensive rating. That's in the fifth percentile. So that lineup's just not working defensively with Mitchell Clarkson in favors. Offensively, it's pretty good, um, but overall the lineup's still a negative. So just throwing that out there that, it's not great, and if there's somewhere the Jets need to fix, it's probably those minutes, and I wouldn't mind trying just to inner working put your two all-star cards. Not the best Jazz game last night, but they are back in action down south in Tampa against the Raptors tonight. <laughs> is a late tip because of COVID testing, so it's an 8 o'clock start, which means 6 o'clock here in Utah. So if you consider 6 o'clock a late tip, it is a later tip. 
I'm glad that the Jazz don't have a day to rest and think about last night's game. Watch the tape real quick. You do a quick shoot around this morning and walk through, and then you jump right back on the floor, and hopefully the fire from the post-game press conferences and comments that guys like Rudy and Joe made last night carries over into tonight's game. The Raptors have lost six in a row, and COVID has hit them really hard over the last three weeks. They're just now getting everybody back and healthy. I'm, I think they even have a full coaching staff now. So that's well, except their assistant's the head coach in Minnesota now, so that doesn't help. But that's true. Right. That is true. They're back mostly to a full coaching staff. <laughs> it's a good opportunity for the Jazz to get back on the floor. This is a good Tampa team. They've we got to call them Tampa, right? They're not Toronto this year. I hope we don't call them Tampa because Tampa goes to the championship in every single sport. So <laughs> hey, I wouldn't mind the Jazz playing Tampa in July. Well, yeah, I wouldn't be mad either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 6 o'clock tip tonight, and where can they find you on social media, McCade? Uh, you can find me at McCade P8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. You guys know what to do. And you can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter, at bpriest 24 That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. And Home Court Press at Home Court underscore Press. If you like what you're hearing, please remember to share, rate, and review. We've got a, a few reviews lately. We really appreciate those and just the... The kind comments, people listen to the podcast. We'd love to interact with you, answer any questions, and go back and forth on Twitter because that's really what that platform is used for. So last thing, take note.